0: hey everybody noah here so we have an amazing show with lewis he has a it's just a great story um so we're gonna get to that in a second but before that um i am actually launching potion on product hunt today so yes big day for potion uh may 24th uh, so monday the the day that uh, this podcast is going live uh, potion is launching on product hunt So uh, yeah, I'm really hoping that it goes well, Um, but I would love all of your guys' support. Obviously, that helps uh, with the rankings, Um, but I think that comments and stuff like that also really help uh, to push products up on Product Hunt. So if you could leave a comment, something, I don't know, uh, something nice, I guess, that you think about, potion, or something like that you can check out the product and and kind of maybe give some feedback or some of your thoughts on the product hunt page Um, but that would be awesome so yeah um, I really appreciate that I'll I'll put the product hunt link the top uh, be the top link in the show notes so you can find it easily Um, but yeah thank you for checking it out and thank you for listening listening to this Um, but yeah let's let's get on to the show I'm Noah, and I'm Ben, and you're listening to Product Journey. Hey Noah, how's it going, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, Ben. How are you? Doing well. Uh,
1: what about you, Lewis? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got a guest today, uh, Lewis Potter from Geeky Maddox is with us today, um... And yeah, it's it's a little bit funny because I'm actually contracting with Lewis right now. So we, we got my employer on the show in a way.
0: Yeah, you guys work together right here. Nice. That's yeah, a first. once a week. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so a little bit about Geeky Maddox. Um, I'm actually working with you on Geeky Quiz, which is part of Geeky Maddox, I guess. And you've been bootstrapping mm-hmm. this on the site for a, a long time, I guess. When when did you actually start? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I think it's coming up on like eleven years um, in a oh, few wow. months' time, which is kind of crazy.
1: That
0: is a long time.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like my entire adult life, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow the the patience that you have to have for that is I I couldn't do that. I'm not patient. <laughs> how, how do you? So is
2: this something like you've been doing on the side for a long time, or? Yeah, so when I was a um, medical student. I started it as a sort of blog where I was just sharing my notes because uh, I got into I'm like a tech geek and I was always looking for an excuse to have a website and I started a few blogs that nobody read of course and uh, and then I decided that I would start up a website and share my medical notes because I was I was writing sort of Microsoft Word files and emailing them to other students uh, at the time so I sort of set about to create a blog to share the notes that was the only reason it wasn't really you know I didn't know what bootstrapping was or I wasn't planning on making a company. And uh, WordPress was sort of in its early days at that point. So I found WordPress and basically hung out on the WordPress forums um, to learn enough sort of PHP and HTML, CSS to, enough to be dangerous and, <laughs> and basically convinced loads of random WordPress devs on the forums to help me whenever I got stuck. And managed to get like a server up and then install a theme and then customize the mm-hmm. theme. And that was the beginning of, of sort of Geeky Medics. So it was just my notes. And then it's just sort of grown organically from there. So I know it sounds like I've been really patient, but really it's just been like a side, like a, a sort of hobby project at the beginning. And then over time, it's become a business, um, which I know is very different to a lot of us now who are very aware of bootstrapping and we're very intentionally trying to start a business. So I can imagine starting starting with that goal Im- immediately makes adds a lot more pressure, I think.
1: Yeah and it I mean the the crazy part is you're I, I think you're still on your way to becoming a doctor right so you, you basically yeah. have like this huge thing already uh, which which probably takes a lot of time and you're you're doing this on the side like how 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 do you do that like how do you even manage
2: your time to um, yeah, I mean, Ben, I wake up every morning and look in the mirror and ask myself the same question. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why am I doing um, <laughs> this? But yeah, so I've been, I've been like a qualified doctor for eight years now. Um, but I'm training as like a GP or family doctor. Ah. It's like the name for it in the US. Yeah. Um, and because I've taken like been part time for quite a bit of it to try and work on Geeky Medics, that's slowed down my training considerably. So even though I've been a doctor for eight years, I've still got another few years left before I'm like a qualified GP. Um, So I do three days a week at the moment, uh, working as a GP, a trainee GP, and then two days a week sort of solidly on Geeky Medics. But obviously, every evening, I work on Geeky Medics and (laughs) most days on a weekend too. So um, I sort of fit Geeky Medics around it. But it it has been more of a challenge in the past when I first qualified as a doctor and I was full time and I was doing like 50, you know, 60 hour weeks at work. And then I was trying to build geeky Medics like in the little hours in the evenings and, you know, late into the night. And that really was pretty horrible, to be honest. I, I kind of thought about <laughs> I kind of thought about stopping because it, it, be, it became more sort of painful than it was fun. Because I was in an awkward situation where I had a lot of people using the website, which was free. And watching our youtube videos but we had basically no revenue we had like a few hundred pounds a month mm. and there was only really me doing anything i couldn't afford to pay anyone to help so that was a pretty horrible position to be in um but over the last few years i've managed to sort of convert it into somewhat of a business so we still most of what we do is free but then we have these sort of premium add-ons that people can choose to pay for if they want uh, and over time that's built up and some momentum and now i can you know employ great people like you, Ben, to help out with stuff, which is all, it was really good fun um, to try and improve that sort of those revenue streams as well as the general product, the general free product.
0: Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking back to like, <clears throat> I mean, so like how long do doctors typically
2: like are in school and do
0: training and like
2: that whole thing? Yeah. So med school in the UK is generally five years long. So um, that's like universities. So I started in 2007. That was my first year as a medical student uh, and then did the five years as a med student and f- graduated in 2012. So I've been a doctor since 2012, basically. Um, and still not done. <laughs> so, so,
0: so there's still training that you're doing
2: after that, right? Yeah, like, <clears throat> so yeah. like So, what, then, what is the difference there? So you, after you graduate, you do sort of residency, It's called the foundation program in the UK. And that's two years where you rotate through six rotations for four months each. Um, And then after that, you have to decide, you know, what specialty you want to do. And then you go and start training in that specific specialty. Um, So depending on what you want to do, like if you want to become like a surgeon or a consultant in a hospital, then usually at the point after you've done your foundation, it's another seven or eight years after that. And if you want to do GP, what I'm doing, it's only three years full-time but because i've like taken time out to work on the business and i'm part-time that's like elongated that um considerably so basically
0: (laughs) to be a doctor you're like always learning there's like this 12 year 12 year period of like learning and stuff like that and so then your business is helping
2: those people throughout that whole period Yeah, exactly. So it started by, you know, initially just sharing my notes, and then I started to do how-to guides, like how to take blood, or how to listen to the heart on a patient, how to listen to the lungs. And I started recording videos of these how-to situations, because all med students need to do these exams called OSCEs, which are, it's basically like a practical examination where you have a fake patient and an examiner in the room with a checklist, and you have to examine them in like a really thorough, organized way, and they sort of tick off. You know, did he introduce himself? Did he wash his hands? You know, did he listen in the right places on the chest? So I basically started creating videos that demonstrated how to do like a perfect OSCE, how to how to examine a cardiovascular system, etc., and started putting those on YouTube. And that's where we sort of got our original audience was, it was when HD was like a new thing. I bought like a, a DSLR, And started filming in HD and putting that on YouTube. Because YouTube had just (laughs) started supporting it. That was super high tech at the time. And uh, and got like a road mic and stuff. So there wasn't really much free content um, on that topic on YouTube at the time. So I was quite early, which I think helped a lot. Uh, And you know, we've grown on YouTube now. We have over 650,000 subscribers. We do several million views a month of our videos. So that's just this massive sort of top of funnel situation where people... (laughs) come across us through google searches etc and then find out about the website and then find out about geeky quiz and our other premium offerings
1: i i wonder um with all that going on and you know you you had to focus so much on becoming the doctor and everything when like what was the tipping point where you decided to uh you know like focus more on on geeky instead of you know like because it's it's like this double burden and you're, you're bringing it on onto yourself basically
2: yeah so I think when I after I did those first two years as a doctor when I graduated the foundation program and I was full time I realized that everything continued to grow even though I wasn't working on it and adding new content it was still growing and I was like with this kind of traction you know there's something there i know there is i just felt constantly guilty that i wasn't giving it enough time so after foundation i decided to sort of step out of training briefly and be a locum doctor which is kind of like being a freelance doctor where (laughs) you get like an hourly rate which is way better than when you're in training and you get to choose when you work um but you don't progress in your training that's the downside ah yeah um so i sort of did that for a few years and i went and like worked in australia and I had a lot more control over my schedule and that let me put more time into Geeky Medics. And because I was earning more money, because I was getting paid better, I could like work for three months and then take two months off and rent a desk in a co-working space and pretend I was living the startup dream. And then once <laughs> once I'd burnt through all of those savings, I'd have to go back to work. Because the, cause the website, the only revenue we had at that point was from YouTube and it was like £300 a month. Um, so that would quickly you know, I would quickly burn through my savings then have to go back to work. Um, And then the tipping point was that we released the iOS um, app and that basically had all of our content, but in a more, you know, mobile friendly format. And it didn't, you didn't need to be connected to the internet, it was offline. And Mm -hmm. started started charging for that. Initially I charged like basically like $5, (laughs) one off lifetime access. (laughs) And uh, I was like selling quite a few of them, but obviously at that price, the cost of like paying developers to work on this. Yeah, thing, yeah. It, it, it didn't really make much of a difference. So I quickly realized that was a terrible business model. So I switched to like a subscription uh, model, which is still very cheap. Um, so at the moment, we charge like £12 per year per user. Um, and we'd sort of make it up in volume, I guess. Uh, because it's a student market, you know, they're, they're quite price sensitive. It's different to like B2B. Um, and that has become our main revenue source. And then I use that revenue to be able to go part time and give pay myself and pay you know developers to help build Ge- Geeky Quiz. And now Geeky Quiz has like premium packs of questions and things that people can buy. So those are new revenue streams. So now we're sort of recently surpassed sort of 40K MRR, um, like in dollars. So that was like a big milestone in, like a month or two ago. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome.
0: awesome. <laughs> that's sweet Uh, so it kind of sounds like so i mean you said you've been working on this for around nine ten years but it kind of sounds like you you were almost like building an audience first and you kind of had this big group of people and then in the last few years you've now been able to actually kind of use that to your advantage to really make a a good business out of that's that's a pretty cool kind of strategy um yeah just kind of worked out there
2: yeah, it wasn't intentional, but basically uh, it was a free content WordPress website, geekymedics.com and the videos on YouTube and that built our audience and then I've basically been selling to that audience with different sort of f- freemium type products since then and that seems to be working quite well.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. <clears throat> so I I don't know if this is just me because you know how like YouTube just kind of like recommends stuff and then you like You can almost, like, find a whole new world randomly once you've clicked into some video. Um, But this was, like, a couple months ago. I came across this YouTuber, Ali Abdal. I'm, I'm guessing you've yeah, heard of yeah. him yeah, and cause he's, he's a doctor, right. And he kind of does, I mean, he does more productivity stuff. It seems like, but I think he was like a doctor in training and something like that. But basically now I see like, now that I've seen some of his videos, I feel like all these videos are popping up, um, with like <laughs> doctors and people training and like teaching and like, so is there like this whole bubble in there? And I'm guessing that's
2: what you're kind of part of so there there's a massive bubble in the sort of youtube influencer space over the last two or three years and it's ali became you know big over the last few years and he's got like millions of subscribers doing productivity stuff Uh, and i think a lot of medical students and junior doctors have been inspired because he's you know making crazy amounts of money um and I think there's a lot of people sort of chasing that, trying to do productivity videos and become an influencer, trying to escape the day-to-day job of a doctor, at which, you know, I don't blame them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it does feel like a bit of a bubble at the moment um, compared to when I started. And we stick generally just to, you know, educational resources rather than trying to be influencers. And, you know, I've never, I, I featured in the first video like a month ago and only narrating the video so i've kind of kept out with the videos despite you know producing every single one and just kept it about the content and the education but yeah it's a huge market i think and if if you're going to do stuff on productivity i think there's just a general bubble on youtube at the moment about you know how to listen to netflix at 3x and stop <laughs> stop having pointless <laughs> conversations with anyone and 5x I, it, I personally find it a little bit toxic at the moment but um that's just me
1: But it's it's already interesting to to hear that there is like other stuff like other, um, you know, maybe even competitors um, arising. Are there like any bigger platforms out there that you that you have to compete against in a way?
2: Yeah, it's become really competitive in the last few years. So we I think we have quite a good moat in that our brand is really well recognized and students, I think like our brand because we've provided them with a lot of free content and never really asked for anything back. So a lot of our contributors of content are previous people who used our resources and want to give back to the community. Um, But some of our competitors are like VC funded. Um, There's one called Amboss, another one called Osmosis. Uh, And these are sort of massive companies with millions in venture who are just like creating tons of really high quality content. which is a bit intimidating. And a few years ago, I kind of thought about, <laughs> I felt quite intimidated and thought maybe I should just quit. But I think what I've realized is that the market is quite big and it's not a zero-sum game because students generally use multiple resources and they kind of go to resources that are the style that works for them. So I don't think that even even though these guys are huge, it, does, it hasn't really detracted from us as far as I can tell. But it definitely is intimidating because you feel yeah. like they could just kind of try and crush you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you think that, I mean, I know with like a lot of YouTubers, it seems like their personality is kind of also what draws people specifically to them. Like, do you have a little bit of that going on where people are kind of showing up because they, you know, maybe like you, they like seeing how, what you're talking about and, and kind of coming for that reason as well?
2: Yeah, I think we've become sort of associated with the sort of how-to clinical skills videos as as a sort of gold standard. So I think people come to see if we have a video on it first. Um, I remember like seeing the search analytics over the years. Initially, we were getting traffic because someone would Google how to perform a cardiovascular exam. And over time, people just started to Google geeky medics cardiovascular exam. And that's like a beautiful thing because even if there are competitors, you are always going to be first for that search, yeah. No matter no matter how good their SEO is, it's really hard to compete with that. Um, so I think that's helped us fend off and and stay afloat. But yeah. we aren't like a heavily personality driven YouTube um, presence. So we have similar actors in some of the videos, but we're not sort of you know we don't have videos where we're like, hi guys, like how's it going? You know, this is my this is my um, standard day and like videos of us getting out of bed in the morning and. You know, what we do in the kitchen, it's not that kind of thing, mainly because I'm a bit of an introvert. So I've never really wanted to be be like a personality on YouTube mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I've wanted it to be more like a company rather than about one particular person because, um, you know, the brand is like Geeky Medics and it's about everyone in a community rather than, you know, it being about me or, you know, <clears throat> two people within the company, yeah. the focus is more on the community itself
0: yeah so you said earlier that you think that maybe you know maybe the way the route you took it where it was kind of like you always kind of saw it as a side business that it wasn't as much pressure where you know a lot of us bootstrappers were like trying to get this thing going so like can you kind of explain more like what the pressure of that has been over the years and maybe some of the benefits of it being more of a a side hustle kind of thing
2: yeah it's interesting because Obviously, initially, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. And I think if you can find something that you genuinely enjoy doing, um, you know, you don't have to enjoy it 100% of the time, but if you can enjoy it like 70% of the time, it's a real sort of unfair advantage that you have over competitors because you can endure for longer just because you would be doing it anyway. So I was like filming and recording and uploading videos to YouTube for probably like a year and a half, two years before we got traction. And I was doing it even though no one was watching because it was just fun to do. Mm-hmm. And I think if, I, if I'd if i started at the outset thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, I need this to be my business. It needs to get to 10K MRR and I need to, you know, escape the day-to-day grind. I would never have got to that point. Um, but because that was, I think, part of the secret was that I just genuinely enjoy doing this. And, you know, if we lost all of our viewers today, I would continue to do something just on a small scale. Um, I think as well, what I've noted is that being part-time, like having a part-time day job and then fitting Geeky Medics around that has kept me really focused on like the key key things that move the needle and sort of ignore stuff that I would really love to do, that would be nice to do, but isn't really necessary. And I I realized this because I took a year out and moved to Melbourne and just worked on Geeky Medics full-time like last year, just before the pandemic. Um, And I was kind of thinking, wow, like I'm going to be full time at Geeky Medics. You know, my productivity is going to be like twice as much as it was when I was just, you know, doing it two days a week. And actually, when I look back, there wasn't there wasn't a a doubling, sadly, despite I I was genuinely working on it every day, like Monday to Friday. And uh, I probably saw maybe like a 10 percent increase, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I think sometimes like it's just time just needs to pass. And it's not always about what you're doing, which is a hard thing to, I think, to think about because you like to think that everything you're doing is pushing things forward. But I think sometimes you just need a bit of time. And if you put yourself on like a really, you know, a 10-month schedule from zero to hero, it, it sometimes you know you, you just needed a bit of time for your your content to pick up a bit of seo or for people to discover you or for that one moment when a blog randomly picks up an article like i heard you talking about that ben recently yeah. uh and these things are so random that uh, you know the likelihood of them occurring increases over time uh, so i think sometimes you just need a bit of time so so personally for me by being part time i think that's really helped and obviously psychologically like worrying about paying rent and those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. I find that quite distracting uh, and quite stressful to deal with. So by sticking with the doctor stuff, I'm not worried about those things that the basics are covered. Even if, you know, when I first went part-time, it was a real hit because I went from, you know, my full-time salary to 60% of my normal salary. And my my salary wasn't that great. It was like, I don't know, like $1,800 a month or something. So once rent and everything was paid, I didn't really have a lot of extra money. So, you know, if I wanted to buy a pair of jeans or something, I would have to be like, can I really do that this month? Or should I wait till next? <laughs> yeah. Which, and obviously, it's a first world problem. Should but I it get was like, shorts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go for the shorts. <laughs> yeah. So I wore short shorts for two years. <laughs> so that's, you know, if I had to summarize my advice, that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's it.
0: That's really interesting. Um, I think that's probably kind of what I need to hear. <laughs> I need to hear that a lot because I've... Uh, So I I had my previous startup I went full time on and I kind of felt in some ways kind of what you're talking about where like before, you know, when I'm building the MVP, it's a side business. It was more like, oh, this is fun. Like this is my hobby almost or this is what I do on the side. Once I transitioned to full time, all of a sudden there was like way more pressure that's like, oh, I got to make this work. Probably also because I was kind of stretching a little bit even to jump in on it full time. And it became kind of like you're saying not as fun (laughs) um but then also i definitely saw as well the productivity gains weren't really all that much more because i think probably because that reason it wasn't like oh this is like really fun this is what i want to do with all my time it kind of became like this is what i have to do um and so then like i would you know still basically rest more and stuff like that um, yeah. So yeah, that was very interesting how that happened. And, and, and even now with my current business, I feel like I'm kind of in that stage where it's like, I really want to work on it more like full time, but it's like, would that actually really help? Um, yeah.
2: and, and I think it's, it's just wor- hard it's being worth patient.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably good for me to hear uh, you say that. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I,
2: I spent lots of time on like, you know, making things, you know, look nicer, or oh, like I'll redesign our about page and like stuff like that, which doesn't. You know, who reads that about page? Nobody. It doesn't make any difference <laughs> to the business. But because I had the time, all of these other sort of crappy tasks filled it, and I decided that maybe we'd do her jobs board. That maybe that would become a line of business revenue, and that totally failed. You know, and I spent weeks on that, and I would never have even tried that if uh, if I was more constrained. I think that the thing about having that extra time is that you can explore maybe new avenues for revenue and you know you might hit hit really lucky and find a new thing that you would have never come across if you were just focused on you know doing doing the core things of the business um so i'm not saying that having extra time isn't beneficial all the time but it's not a one it's not a one to one relationship which is what i kind of thought it would be and before that year out
1: yeah it's actually for me it's actually the same as you both just described like cutting back another day from from my day job like at the beginning of this year I, th- I think i even said that at some point on the on the show that i didn't really know what to do with that time <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i thought hey I'm, I'm just gonna use that time it's gonna be great but then i did i didn't really you know like it didn't really move the needle at all so right now actually doing contract work with two people or two different contracts it's actually i'm, I'm more productive even on my side projects than i was before <laughs> even though i have less time so that's pretty cool
2: <laughs> yeah And sometimes I just think I need to like have time to mull and like come up with ideas or strategies. And again, I feel like that's just a time thing. Uh, and not, I think when I'm sat trying to think of stuff, it never comes to me. It always comes (laughs) to me when I'm like randomly, I've just seen a patient in clinic or, you know, I'm like in the shower. It's never when I'm like at my desk trying to strategize on what I should do next. (laughs) Uh, so I think letting that stuff just sort of come naturally with, without putting lots of pressure on it is helpful. Um, yeah. and I I just get super nervous when I hear people like quitting their job and like burning through all of their <laughs> savings and you know being like I need to get to 10k in the next three months otherwise you know this has all failed and I've got two kids and uh, I don't know it, it makes me nervous to hear that because I think it just puts all of this all of this pressure and I think what you were saying Noah that the actual working on the business becomes less fun because it becomes yeah. the job it becomes the real job in the grind rather than like the thing that you get to do you, you feel lucky to be able to work on one or two days a week. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> it's very interesting for sure. So you've been uh, working with you know it sounds like multiple developers, contractors. Obviously, you're mm. working with Ben. So like, how did that kind of stuff come about? How do you how do you work with those people and choose who you're working with and and yeah that that kind of stuff.
2: So I think. I, you know I really struggled with this in the early days like delegating and finding people and I think I was just a bad I was basically being like a bad founder or bad manager I would sort of find somebody and expect them to just do whatever the role was just like I would do it and I wouldn't provide like really detailed guidance or you know I wouldn't clearly define the role so I would basically just set people up for failure so I went through a period like years ago where I sort of tried to bring people on because I felt like I was Drowning in tasks and then eventually got frustrated that they kind of weren't doing things as I would like and that it was It was just sort of taking more energy for me to manage them and then I would sort of end that situation and then go back to just being me trying to you know Dig through these tasks and being super stressed and basically (laughs) not doing a particularly good job of anything and then I had a few I basically hired a really good um Backend end developer, uh, Django developer for our quiz platform for Geeky Quiz called Razul. Uh, and I found him on, like, I think it was like Django jobs.net. I tried Upwork first and did not have a good experience with Upwork. Um, I think there's just so much, there's a lot of low quality developers on these platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can definitely get stuff done cheaper. But I think like what I've realized is communication skills is probably the most important thing. Like even if someone, you know, maybe isn't the best developer in the world, if they're a good communicator that I would rather, I would rather that than I would, you know, someone who I, ca- I can't, have a conversation with, but you know, they're mm-hmm. in the top 0.5% of developers. Um, so I hired Razul and he really changed things um, in terms of being able to build the platform in, in a sustainable, scalable way. Uh, and, and then I, I sort of had a I've had a lucky run since then. So myself and Razul were doing the front end uh, before Ben came on board, and Razul doesn't like doing front end stuff, <laughs> and uh, I definitely you know I can't really do it. So we were just hiring like random contractors from Upwork to do stuff, um, and that was a pretty terrible experience. I hired a front end developer to build the front end for Geeky Quiz, a new front end, and he just built like literally built the front end separately in a folder of like HTML. And then was like, oh, here you go. And um, I was at, he was like, oh, it's super easy to integrate. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was naive at the time, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I said, I sort of got in touch with Razul and I was like, hey, Razul, so like, here's the front end. Do you wanna just like stick that on? And he was like, do you, do you understand? This isn't just the case of like, you no. Know? And so that, that was like a huge error on my part. So I paid this front end developer who basically I've never spoken to since. Uh, and he didn't want to actually integrate front end. So lesson learned there. But we did eventually get that integrated thanks to Resul. And now Ben is basically ripping that out and building a a brand new version of that. Um, And and I saw, I'd messaged Ben, I think, a few months before, or maybe a year ago or something, um, and said, if you're ever interested in some freelance stuff, let me know. Because I I was watching what he was doing in his products and stuff. Mm. And I could tell, obviously, he had all of the core skills to build something from the ground up. Um, And I knew that, you know, Communication, everything would be great, and that he would work well with Razul. Um, so Razul sort of just kept on doing front end, even though he didn't really want to. It was like a full stack dev. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's delighted now that Ben's on board, and he can focus on the Django stuff. Nice. And let Ben do his thing. Ben yeah. coming to save the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, I think you know, trying to find trying to find good networks of people, like joining Mega Maker a few years ago, was a great thing, um, and going to like, if you need a developer, going to the places they hang out, rather than just going to Upwork, the easy option. Often, I think you find higher quality people in these situations.
0: Yeah. So, so you found Ben and Mega Maker then?
2: Yeah, and then Razul on djangojobs.net. So, you know, a sort of more niche yeah. forum just for people like that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so you're saying like basically going to the communities, going where developers are. Like you can find like really good developers and then you, you've you had better luck like actually reaching out to specific people after you see what yeah. they can do rather than yeah. just finding someone on Upwork or some list of where you, exactly. you really don't have much background.
2: Yeah, and you're competing with everyone in, on those platforms, right? Like it's, if you're trying to hire people, that's where everyone goes. So it's like the common market. Um, So I I think getting into communities and getting to know, you know, developers or marketers and having people be able to refer you because, you know, even though if Ben didn't want to work, I'd maybe ask him, do you know anyone in your community at the moment who's interested? Mm -hmm. And I think having the flexibility to let people do like, you know, a small amount of hours a week maybe that fits with them and be completely asynchronous is a big selling point for a lot of people. I think it's really hard to hire someone like full time. Uh, but the, I think the pool of people you know who have maybe ten hours a week or something to contribute is much wider. So that's the other thing that's made a big difference for me, and the same with Results, same with Ben. Um, I think that works well for all of us. We're all quite flexible, and we use Twist to sort of communicate and do our async stuff. Uh, and that, and that, and for me, that's great because it means that if I'm like in Sketch trying to create the new versions of the UI screens for Ben to take a look at, I don't I don't have to like be constantly working on creating new screens because Ben's doing 50 hours a week. I I would really struggle to keep up with that and do a good job. So the fact that, you know, Ben might do like 10, 20 hours a week means that I can keep up pace with him as well. So, um, I found that's good and it means that I can like mull stuff over. So I might, you know, design a front end and then I might be in the shower two days later and be like, why have I, why have I put that button there? Or why have I done that design and tweak it and do all that stuff. So that by the time Ben comes around the following week, I've refined it down to what he needs to go on with. So yeah, sort of fractional employees, I think it's been really a big thing that's helped me scale, you know, both in terms of revenue, because I can't afford to pay people full-time most of the time, and being able to get higher quality developers and, and people to work for the company. Because those high quality yeah. candidates often have their own stuff they're doing, right? From my yeah. experience. Yeah, that's, um,
0: that's pretty cool. That like fractional employee idea, like I could see, you know, having like a really good developer that you you know you only hire for a little bit of time is most likely a lot better than a developer that you have full time that may not be as good. Um, and, yeah. and like yeah. kind of almost like we time talking about with the productivity stuff, like you you get um, you kind of maximize uh, the value that you get in like a smaller amount of time rather than just like expanding that to 40 hours a week or whatever, which is kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to remember that if you hire like a full-time developer, then you have to be a full-time manager for that person to get, you know, for them to get their best work done. So you have to think about whether you as the bootstrapper have the time to, you know, dedicate to that. And if you don't, even if you have the money, my advice would be to, you know, to do 20 hours a week and be able to keep pace and give enough attention to whatever the project is so that they can do their best work. That's That's been my experience.
1: Yeah, I actually want to dig dig into that a little bit because I think the way you or we do it right now is <laughs> um, actually pretty great with, with Twist and doing it all asynchronous. So this is basically the second time ever we're actually on a call together. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we literally do it all asynchronously and just overwritten text and GitHub issues. And it's working like a charm. Like it's, it's really great. And just like you said, you basically use all the time until Thursday when I started working on it for the day, um, and refine everything and write down what I need to do. And then on Thursdays, you're basically on call in Twist, but it's A Street Crystal still, so you could like have lunch in the middle of the day, <laughs> and then yes. come back and see what I what I have questions, whatever. Um, and yeah, I just think that's that's a pretty neat way of, of working in general, and also getting Razul on board in,
2: in that. Um, Like, how did you
1: even, like, how did that develop for you? Like, you probably didn't do that from the beginning, right?
2: (laughs) No. Yeah. So I think I started to get really into the async stuff when I hired Razul because he had like 20 hours a week that he could work on things and he had other commitments. Um, And initially I tried to, I was like, well, let's do a weekly call. And Razul was like, "Um, no, thanks. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, right, cool. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. He was like, I just don't think that adds a lot. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so then we've tried to use slack to do it async but just the unstructured way that slack is like it just ends up being this big chat log and trying to go back and find stuff that you've talked about it's really messy so then we started to use github issues um, primarily to sort of scope out a feature uh, and then you know discuss things on there and and then we found twist as the sort of replacement for slack uh, and and it's quite nice because basically it's like kind of like email the threads are basically like email you can have topic based threads to keep you know if we are talking about a specific feature of the app that's all within one thread and a continuous thing that's organized and then they have direct messaging as well so if you want to do a bit of quick back and forth you can do that Um, and like the example is me and Razul have basically spoken over the last three years I think we've done three calls maybe <laughs> but he he does I, like 20 to 40 hours a week you know so we're working together constantly and chat via text most and, days
1: and it's working really really well like yeah yeah That's i think it's, awesome. it's
2: nice and i think it's quite nice to know that there's not an expectation when you like write something on an issue or message someone that you have to be there and have to reply uh, and i try and make that clear now whenever i bring people on board is that there's not an expectation of an immediate reply. Um, that get back to it when you you're in the right headspace and you can you know give a quality reply to the problem rather than just firing something off because you feel like you have to under the pressure. And I think that leads to a better quality of life for all of us. Um, I, like I said, I do tend to. I, one of my days to work at Geeky Medics is a Thursday, so it works quite well that me and Ben are both working on it that day. So I, I do try and respond quickly to Ben on those days if he needs it. Uh, but there's not a, gu- a guarantee there we don't promise that we'll immediately get back to each other and yeah i'm glad to hear it's working for you ben i, I really like that way of working personally
1: absolutely i i would prefer to work that way like on my day job <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds pretty great like I-, I was actually talking about this to ben recently like i've been thinking a lot about like basically how i want to create my business and like because i don't want to create a monster um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, in some ways like that makes me want to be solo. And, and I think that's fine probably to be solo for a while just cause of the flexibility and stuff. But like, I mean the way you're kind of describing like how you guys work, it's like, you know, at some point, like I could build out a business that way, where it doesn't have to, like, even if I have employees, like, it doesn't have to be like this huge thing of like me having to manage everybody and always be on. And like, with that kind of asynchronous work, like, you still get that flexibility, and and you know, hopefully, you still can really enjoy your life as well as building like a good business. Uh, so that's that's pretty pretty good to hear uh, because yeah, I feel it's, like it's, it's really possible.
2: Gross. Yeah, I think so. Twist actually featured Geeky Medics. Uh, like two weeks ago so they've written a blog post about how we use twist because they came across us and wanted to sort of highlight how we how we sort of loop everything in because we use every we twist it for most things now so github as an integration so whenever someone comments on an issue that comes into twist to, to like alert me and when we get payments via stripe those come into a thread within twist so that I'm aware of it or if the you know the website goes down um all those kinds of things so' we found that it's become like a base operating system for the company that's asynchronous. Um, so I've been really, really impressed with it. So I'd, I'd recommend people check it out uh, if, if they've not already.
1: Do, do you get a notification when I break staging? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think at the moment. <laughs> I think, t- think, I, I think Razul actually turned off logging for staging because you were breaking it so much. <laughs> and it was just blowing up our email (laughs) Oh, that's great (laughs) yeah but yeah i I think async is the way forward for anyone you know obviously you know meeting and chatting with people live occasionally is really nice from a social point of view and i love getting to work with like interesting cool people like ben and Razul, and you know other people who work at geeky medics um so i really I, I really do enjoy that and i do wonder sometimes if i should maybe try and arrange like a call every six months or something and be a bit more deliberate so that we don't go like a year stretch without any any chat at all uh, and try and build a bit more of a sort of i don't know togetherness and culture uh but it's difficult because you don't want to impose on people that you know they have to show up at these things So i think there's a balance to be struck i think it, you can be become maybe a bit isolated if you go like if you get really religious about async and you're like mm-hmm. infuriated whenever there's like a live chat message going on. So I think there's definitely a balance to be struck and I probably could be a bit less async at times. Um, but at the moment, I, I really like the way it's working. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: that sounds sounds, sounds pretty good. Uh, so let's see, moving on into a kind of a different area, I'm curious about, I mean, maybe you've touched this in some ways. Um, But like do you do anything specifically that you would like call marketing or like have any projects or things towards that Direction or is you know, like the YouTube videos that are free or whatever or is that kind of your main thing there?
2: Yeah, so our main acquisition channel is like content marketing basically, so we produce like high-quality free content um, And that drives a lot of Google traffic and YouTube traffic so that that's basically our marketing channel we do have like social media channels and I, I've just brought someone on as like a part-time contractor, a medical student like today, uh, to try and help out with posting on there more regularly. Because at the moment I just have, basically have like a little bot that randomly posts out one of our articles to Twitter and Facebook each day. <laughs> uh, as like an article of the day, which it seems to work not too bad. It's getting more engagement than I was when I was trying, which is a bit, a bit <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. The bats better. Yeah. yeah, I've been out-marketed by a script, but, um, basically it's content marketing. So I have been quite deliberate in looking at, you know, search tools like Ahrefs or SEMrush and looking at topics that there's a lot of search demand for. And then deliberately placing those topics. We have like an editor's list of topics we would like people to cover. Uh, so we have that on our website and then any of our audience can go on that page and apply to write an article covering one of those topics and we then I've created a bit of like a no code situation where they submit a form and that creates like a Trello card and then I review the Trello card and see if they look like they're a good fit to cover the topic and if they are I assign them the topic remove it from the list and then we have like an editor who they write their first draft and then I link them up with the editor and they like format it for WordPress and then publish it. And we give them like a certificate, like a PDF certificate as in return. Um, Because you know medical students and doctors need to prove that they're engaging with like medical education. So that's part of the reason. And a lot of the people writing are people who've benefited from other content on the site. So they wanna sort of contribute back to it. So all of that content is free. And the same is true of the quiz platform. So users basically can, any user can write a question and contribute it to the question bank and it goes into like a moderation queue and then one of our editors, you know, reviews and if it it gets approved, it goes into the common bank of questions and then any other user could go on and say, I want 10 questions on cardiology and the system will look at the pool of questions. They're all tagged and pick out 10 questions tagged with cardiology and generate a quiz for that user. And the nice thing is, is that anyone who's contributed questions can generate a certificate that pulls in the live data of how many times their questions have been answered uh, and in what countries, so they can kind of prove that they've had educational impact and put that in their portfolio, etc. So that's like all the system is built around this sort of collaborative community that are creating content for everyone else. And we all benefit. And then we basically wow. build products on top of that. So. just make sure I'm understanding this.
0: You basically created like an open source, like community where your content comes from. It's like your users are basically like creating the content for you.
2: Yeah. So we don't like pay anyone to create, to create the (laughs) sort of written articles or anything like that. So I just pay the editors to, to engage and sort of edit the pieces and we provide guidelines. Yeah. And that's just been something that's organically happened over time. And it wasn't very structured in the past. It was just people randomly emailing saying, hey, I'd like to write an article. Uh, <laughs> and over time built this system using sort of uh, the editors list, we call it, of topics we want covering. And those are generally based on stuff that either users are requesting or stuff that I know has got good search. You know, there's a lot of search demand for those topics. So it's, it's a pretty great system because yeah, yeah. you've got this like, content engine that is your community and you just sort of provide editorial input on that. And the same is true of the question bank. It's the exact same model, basically.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, that definitely seems like a, a very efficient way to do it. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it gets your, it sounds like you're you're getting, like you basically have a community and you're getting them involved, which is like, you know, they're investing into it. And they're, you know, that's probably going to make them even want to be more a part of it and stay around. And
2: yeah, that's yeah, that sounds and pe- really cool. People like tweet people like tweet when their article's been published, you know, to tell other people that they've had an article published on the site. Um, so we get sort of free marketing through those realms as well. And then a lot of universities in the UK and elsewhere use our content to teach their students, um, with, within the, our videos and stuff like that are often used in lectures, etc. So that yeah. helps, I guess, from a marketing point of view.
0: Yeah. So where did you find like your
2: editors that are editing all that stuff? So that was a a sort of a long process where this was what I was talking about, where I was trying to hire people and not really providing much guidance. Um, And then when they didn't edit like I did, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't gonna work. Um, But then I eventually Mm -hmm. found a few really good editors that were just from the community. So we have a like join the team page and most of our hires are all just people who use the website, Um, super users basically. so we had some medical students who were editors, and now our lead editor, he's a GP trainee like me, uh, but he's he's also part time. So he wanted something to sort of supplement his income. So he gets paid like on a per article basis um, at the end of every month. And that works really well. So we just live in the Trello board together and, <laughs> and sort of move there. It's a beautiful, a beautiful machine of uh, yeah. moving between these various lists of, you know, in draft, editing, ready for publication. And then I just do a final review of every piece and, and publish it and send the author a certificate. Um, so, I, I yeah. Think it's,
1: I think it's pretty genius that you're basically just hiring your best users in a way. Like, they, they use it, they engage with it, they create content anyway, and then they see, oh, hey, I could actually, like, get paid for this as well. And then you just yeah. give them the opportunity to do that. Like, that perfect alignment is pretty Yeah, good. exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think if you can get someone who's genuinely passionate about the project and, you know, you can then pay them as well. That's like the perfect situation. So we, you know, we gather a lot of applications, and we only choose a, a very few, small amount of them, and try and you know pick the best people who are the, are the most appropriate for the role. So it has worked. It has worked, and I think initially it felt really messy, but now as I've, I think you only need to do a few hires that are the r- real right hires, and that can make a huge difference to your business. I think literally like one or two hires can completely transform the trajectory of what you're doing. Uh, that's what i found i felt like i was like wandering in the darkness for years and years and years and then i found like probably like two or three people over over the following few years and that totally transformed everything and made it so much more fun to work on the business
1: yeah i can definitely see how Razul contributes like so much to the business because scaling the whole back end stuff yeah that that takes off a lot of a lot of yeah work. exactly
2: <laughs> yeah and i was that was so painful initially because i didn't there wasn't much revenue there was one point where he was getting like seventy percent of the revenue was going to Razul, basically. because There was not much revenue, and then the rest was just going on expenses. And, other, and I was taking nothing for years. Um, and I, you know, I was wanting to buy pairs of jeans and being like, "Damn, like Razul, is making Razul can buy so many pairs of jeans, and I can't buy I can't buy any." Um, but it was a good. I'm glad that I'd, I made that sacrifice early on and kept Razul on and was able to pay him at the rate he wanted. Uh, it was worth it was worth the sacrifice short-term
0: yeah that's that's great um let's see i think maybe kind of our last question is kind of how how do you what are your, some of your plans for the business like how do you see things going in the future um what are
2: plans to to grow the business so At the moment, the the main sort of areas of revenue are our iOS and Android app, which is they have those how-to guides I talked about on in a sort of mobile format. So that is probably at the moment 56% of our revenue. So the plan is to keep adding content to that app, but also integrate the quiz platform at the moment. There's no app for the quiz platform that Ben is sort of redesigning. So we're going to integrate that natively into the app in the coming months once the redesign is done um, and I think that will help increase engagement and revenue around the quiz platform and you know there's 4 000 free questions that have been contributed by the community and then we are building premium packs of questions as an additional thing that people can purchase so at the moment we have one for medical finals exams a thousand questions and we have um, a 300 questions for a prescribing exam that all students need to do and then we've got flashcards, so we've got a collection of twelve hundred premium flashcards that students can purchase. Um, and then they've got there's like a supporter tier that people can subscribe to on the quiz platform, and that basically lets them do like advanced filtering over the community database of questions. So rather than just generating ten questions on cardiology, they can say, "Oh, I want to build a quiz based on symptoms." So they can say, "I want ten questions that involve chest pain." Um, so th- those kind of advanced filters, uh, uh, it's, we're sort of it's a way that we're generating revenue on off our free content. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not reducing access to the content. You can still go and do a quiz, but you just can't fine tune it as much as you could um, if you're paying for the subscription. And that seems to be gaining popularity too. So basically, expanding our premium offerings on top of the sort of core um, free content and platform. And the new version of the platform that Ben is building is so much better than what's currently there. So I think that will make a big difference. It's heavy on the 8-bit artwork, which I'm loving. So we're using a uh, Nintendo-based CSS framework, which is really fun to play with. Um, (laughs) NES.CSS. So, yeah. So I think just expanding the number of premium content offerings, and that should increase the number of revenue streams we have. Because my big fear back two years ago was that 90% of our revenue was via our how-to guides in the app. And I was thinking, wow, if a competitor comes along and takes this away, we're dead basically. So now with the quiz platform and all of these different premium packs, we've moved that down to sort of 50%. And my hope is to move that down even further, maybe to like 30% and then have all of these other streams of revenue that come from these different packs. I think that will be a much more stable overall revenue for the business as we move forward. And make us more resilient to you know competitors making moves yeah that's a smart idea <laughs> yeah that's that's
0: so interesting how like you're i feel like you're you're coming the opposite direction from what a lot of bootstrappers are doing where a lot of bootstrappers like they have the product and you know they can make money with it but they're just like trying to grab like find the people to come and use it where it's like you have like this this group of people that are already already showing up and now it's just like okay how do i you know offer something that makes money from them um it, it's kind yeah. of an interesting different problem um probably you know in some ways maybe it's an easier way to come at it um, so it's, it's pretty cool that he, he, the direction that you are working with that
2: yeah i think it's it's hard isn't it because it's easy to say oh we'll just Produce lots of high-quality free content for eight yeah. years, and yeah. then and then start your business. <laughs> um, right. But I think you know, I think if you focus on creating some genuine value and build goodwill with your audience, that goes a long way. People remember, uh, and and people are willing to sort of support you if you if you're continuing to provide that free layer of value to people. So I'm a big fan of the sort of freemium model for that reason. Um, I think you can yeah. do a lot of good. To a lot of people and then still make money and that's always been the aim
1: and it seems to be working pretty pretty well so far (laughs) um maybe one last question would be like going still learning for your doctors and whatnot and doing the other thing on the side or maybe the other way around who knows um (laughs) like what's what's the end goal what would be what what should win in the end entrepreneurship or being a doctor (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah it's to be honest Ben it's really hard I think some days at the moment I go into work and I just really want to be working on geeky medics and when I'm like dealing with you know difficult situations at work and you know there's a lot of pressure to see patients you know within 10 minutes per patient it's a lot it's not long to deal with one patient um I do think man like I could technically at this point pay myself like a salary enough salary to live on um but it's really hard I think when you've trained so long to do something to just leave it all behind I think a lot of my <laughs> identity is caught caught up in being a doctor because you know a lot of your friends end up being doctors and your social networks doctors and people generally don't leave like unlike a lot of other jobs where it's totally fine to like switch careers like every few years in medicine it's kind of seen as kind of heretical to leave uh, like you've <laughs> let and like you've let the country down or something um, yeah because it's like a national health system so I'm I'm not gonna lie, I do have doubts sometimes about being a doctor long term, like clinically, and whether I just get to work on the product. But it's hard when you're my, my product is medical and part of the value I bring to the business is staying up to date with my medical knowledge and being able to, you know, edit articles and have an opinion on what is a good quality piece. And that is all helped by staying in the game. And so I think my my plan is to become basically a doctor working at like a university teaching medical students like for a couple of days a week and then the rest of the time having a business that is for medical students i think that would be the ideal thing and i'm starting from august like a two-year job where i work in the university um for one day a week so teaching med students so that's my sort of that's going to be my sample about whether that life would be a better life or not so we'll see how it goes Sounds um, like a good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Well, Lewis, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Definitely inspirational. Helpful, helpful to me to hear your patience throughout the, that whole thing, um, for sure. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll put some links to the things you're working on in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Thanks, Ben. It's been great to chat. See you later. All right. We'll talk to you listeners in the next episode. Bye. See you next week. Bye-bye.